morning, everybody. Come on now. Good morning, everybody. In the house today. Who loves the Lord? Say amen. amen. How many of you are glad today is going to be a summer day today? It is going to be warm, like 83 degrees today. I told my wife it's a tank top day today. She said, for who? I don't know what she meant by that. I think she was a little hurtful when she replied that way. Anyway, hey, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. We're in this series called Identity Theft. And the premise of what we've been talking about is, is we have to be very careful as believers, as representatives of Jesus Christ, as his children, uh, to make sure that that we're not getting sucked into this, um, this, this mind-numbing that's taking place in our culture today where we feel that we have to choose sides with things. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I've heard lots of jokes about uh, pastors telling jokes about you know what denomination is going to be in heaven. There's an old Baptist joke that goes, uh, this Baptist guy goes up to heaven, he sees the Lord, and He's walking him through the streets of gold, and he says, you know, what's that room over there? It's really, really loud. He says, oh, that's the Pentecostals. You know what I mean? Just, you got to keep going by here. And I says, what's that room over here? They're really, really quiet. He says, that's the Baptists. Be quiet, though. They don't think anybody else is here. You know, it's kind of like, like one of those things, you know? But I think we also have this thing inside of us where we believe that heaven is going to be separated by blue and red, too. Some of you know what I'm saying. Some of you don't. Okay. Uh, because, you know, you have, if you're a believer, you have to vote this way because that's, that's, what, that's what, you know, other people that say they're believers, you know, uh, feel. And, and, and we're being programmed all the time on CNN and Fox. And I'm going to tell you something. Both are just as guilty as the other. Yeah. Uh, both are, 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 are in this, uh, they, they have this stand that they take, and they're not, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes you listen to it and you go, hey, you know what? What, what's, what's behind all this? And there's an agenda. And, and, and we know the evil agenda that's out there in our world trying to influence us uh, with everything that's opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but there's also, you know, uh, Satan has this tactic. We think the tactic is, is this, you know, super big bomb, that he, this big atom bomb that he drops on us of destruction. And you've heard me say this before. I don't think Satan uses destruction as much as he uses distraction. You know, he could get us kind of thinking off a little bit or just kind of veering, you know what I mean? Not necessarily taking a hard turn to the left or a hard turn to the right, but just kind of taking our eyes off the prize a little bit, you know, and, and making things about ourselves. So I want to talk to you today about uh, one of the greatest figures, I believe, in the Word of God that's an example of integrity, and that's Daniel. And I called my message today, When It's Right to Do Wrong, When It's Right to Do Wrong. Um, Back in 1980, my dad took me to, uh, I, I talk a lot about sports, and I talk a lot about my dad when I, when I do that. Today's my dad's birthday. I got to call him after church. Uh, he's, uh, 73. he's 72 today. So that's not old. Somebody say amen. amen. Right, Brother Frank? He's just a kid, isn't he? No doubt. You would date somebody 72 years old, wouldn't you? Amen. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. 72 is a young guy, so... Um, yeah, I've got a lot of great memories with my dad. I worked with my dad uh, from the time I was uh, probably part-time, about eight years old, full-time, about 12 years old, up till I was 25. I was working 40 hours a week through junior high and senior high school. So I got to spend a lot of time with my dad. 
And uh, one of the things that my dad and I did was we went to a lot of sporting events. And um, I remember back in 1980, my dad came up to me. It was after school, and he said, you are never going to believe what happened. I hit the football pool. How many of you know what a football pool is? Raise your hand up in the air. It's when you bet, you put about 2 or $3 down, you pick three or four games. It's gambling, okay? And I'm not justifying it. I'm telling you a story, okay? Uh, so he hit the football pool that week, one I think he won $300, and the bookie who owed him $300 said to him, Tiny, I don't have $300, but I tell you what I do have. I'm going to give you two tickets to the World Series game tonight. So he gave my dad two tickets to the World Series game that night. It was game six against the Kansas City Royals and the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Phillies winded up winning that night. My dad took me and my brother. And um, uh, it was kind of interesting because my dad kept saying to us, now, you know, when you go to school tomorrow, we went, my, we, we went to a Christian school. He said, don't tell people that you went to the game because your dad hit a football pool. You'll probably get in trouble. And there was about eight different things that happened that night where my dad said to me, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell your mom, okay, when they won the World Series. Listen, I was listening to my father, so I think I was doing the right thing. But he had a big bottle of champagne. He cracked it open. He said, here, take a drink of this. But don't tell your mom, right? He kept saying that, you know, kept saying that to us all night long. And you maybe have times in your life where you kind of, you can remember things that you did wrong and you kind of laugh at it. You say, oh, you know, it's kind of, you know, this was a little, it wasn't that bad. I wasn't hurting anybody. It wasn't a big deal. And, and then when, you know, you're feeling really spiritual, like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that thing. And, you know, the Bible's pretty clear about what's right and wrong. If you have somebody in your life that's a, a strong, integrity-driven person, you know, they're just going to do what's right because it's right. No questions asked. Even They're not even going to do anything that looks wrong. And, that's, and, and, and truthfully, church, that's the way that we ought to be driving ourselves. Not only that we do right, but that we look like we're doing right. You know, we can't give the appearance of evil. We can't let our good deeds be spoken evil of. But there are times in our life, we're going to have to listen to this whole thing this morning to understand the statement, when it's right to do wrong. In Daniel chapter 6, in verse number 1, I want to read this for you. And um, I, put it, I put it on my iPad this morning because I, I think something happened to me in the last couple weeks. I, I, I got to go out and buy another Bible because I've needed bigger print lately. Has anybody else ever have that happen to them? I think my Bible shrunk. We washed it in a washer and the letters all shrunk or something. I don't know what happened. So I'm going to read it from this today. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1. It'll be up on the screen too if you want to follow along. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, kind of like uh, regional leaders, uh, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one of them, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the president and the satrap sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Well, that's a great verse right there. He was faithful and there was no error or fault uh, found in him. Then these men said, we should not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in his connection with the law and his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, 
live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors all are, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance to enforce an, uh, an edict that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the, uh, in, uh, the edict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the uh, edict. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, right? This is the, he knew that this had happened. He knew that, that these guys, honestly, Daniel knew these guys were coming against him. So after he heard that this has happened, he went to his house where, the wind, uh, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and he, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then he came near and said before the king concerning this edict, O king, did you not sign this that any man who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no heed to you, O king, and the edict you have signed, but makes petition to his God three times a day. When it's right to do wrong. Daniel was doing the right thing even though it was technically wrong uh, in his culture. Uh, Daniel's a great guy to study. That word Daniel, um, if you read in, in Daniel chapter one, I believe his name was Balthasar or something like that. Then you had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were kind of all homies together that came up from, uh, from captivity up into uh, Babylon and, and became leaders because of their character and their integrity and, and their wisdom. But that name Daniel literally means this phrase, God is my judge. If you see a, a word in English with the, with the uh, suffix at the end of it, E-L, E-L means God or Jehovah. And that phrase means, his, his name literally means God is my judge. And, and that what a great testimony about Daniel because Daniel was more concerned about what God thought about him than what others thought about him. Yeah. And boy, wouldn't that be a great, we could just kind of camp on that for a while, couldn't we? on considering in our own lives, who are we living an audience for? Uh, we're always worried about what other people think about us. My, my family and I went down to Houston last night, and uh, we were in Tomball, Texas, T-O-M-B-A-L-L, Tomball, Texas, you know, and we're lots and lots of land and cows and fields and stuff like that. We went to a reception down there, and we drove back last night and got home really, really late. But um, when we were at the wedding, it's interesting to me, uh, watching people act the way that they do when they dress up. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like if you put a pair of jeans on and a, and a good, like you may wear a good Philadelphia Eagles jersey or something like that today because they're playing today, I heard, maybe or not. But uh, you may, you know, worse, you kind of have this, you know, casual, you know, casual thing about you. You know, you want to eat a hamburger or or a hamburger without a bun, excuse me, Dr. Hooten. Or you may want to eat something that, you know, that's a little kind of, you know, a little greasy and down and dirty. But when you put your clothes on, you know, you put your suit on, or your dress pants, or you put a dress on your heels, you walk differently. You kind of prepare yourself differently. You know what I'm saying? Every, it was, and it was, a, you know, wedding receptions. It was a big horse and pony show. It was, everybody was dressed up real pretty. And it was funny watching people eat. 
because they had a buffet. And one of the guys came back to the table. Uh, they had prime rib and they had chicken. And he filled up his plate like he was at a feeding trough. And this is what he said. I got to take off my coat and my tie if I'm going to eat like this, right? Because his outfit didn't match about what he was about to consume. And man, he is throwing down eating. I'm looking at him going, man, brother, I wish that was me right now, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And he looked at me and he said, I probably should have dressed differently if I was going to eat like this. It was pretty funny. And then he said something my dad would have said. He said, you know what? This, my, he said, your brother spent a lot of money on this wedding. He said, I think we should get our money's worth. Let's go get some more food. So it was kind of like one of those things, you know. But ladies in dresses there that day, right, that were walking in, hi, how you doing? You know, all kind of sucked up and all that kind of stuff. They had the big plate with like an asparagus and a potato. I mean, that was it on their plate, totally. Because you can't throw down when you're kind of all, you know, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to get in trouble, right? I'll get in trouble by saying that. But we act differently like that. And it's interesting when, when you consider a guy like Daniel, he didn't act any different no matter what kind of setting he was in. No matter what kind of setting he was in. I, I like this phrase about Daniel. I read this this week. Daniel famously and firmly was dependent on God. Firmly, of course, we get that. Somebody who's kind of, you know, he's got his got his convictions, he's, but he was famously. That means people knew that he was totally dependent on God. So I want to give you this morning six expressions of Daniel's daring dependence, his daring dependence on God, knowing that he was going to get in trouble, knowing that other people were watching him all the time. The one thing he did not compromise himself on was his faith in his walk, was his faith in his walk. So Here's six things about Daniel we can pull out of this passage of Scripture this morning. Number one is this. Daniel did not act in ignorance. He acted in full knowledge of the law and the consequences. He didn't act in ignorance. If you go back to Daniel chapter 1, when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told by, um, the, by, by one of the leaders, you have to eat this food and you're going to eat this food because the king wants you to be beefy and healthy and this and this and this. And at the end of this time frame, we got to put, Daniel said, listen, we're going to eat what we eat in accordance to our traditions, in accordance to our laws, and you test and see whether or not we're not going to be as healthy. And, and the Bible talks about the story that they were not only healthy, they were healthier than the guys who were eating the king's stuff. Yeah. But they, it said in that passage of scripture that they said, we will not defile ourselves. We will not defile ourselves. I want you to hold on to that for just a second. We will not defile ourselves. When you think about the idea of defiling ourselves, and when you read this passage of scripture, you're thinking, well, it's probably, you know, we didn't drink the king's wine. We didn't eat the king's meat. And, you know, and, and some of that, some of that transfers in today. Some of that doesn't transfer in today. But I'm going to ask you this question this morning. What is it today in our culture that you could be a part of, that you can ingest, that you can look at, that you can be around that would defile you. Defile. Defile meaning it would compromise your belief system. Defile meaning it would be wrong for you to do that. Right? Um, we were watching, before the wedding, we were watching some football yesterday, and um, there's a game that's pretty big in Jacksonville, Florida. The Florida uh, Gators play the Georgia Bulldogs yesterday. And it's a big, big deal in Jacksonville because both teams, they always play every year and they play in Jacksonville. So it's a real big thing in Jacksonville. And when we were living there, 
we had a friend that owned a hotel and uh, she would call us and say, hey, if you guys want to make some extra money, come to the hotel. You can take our guests. This is before Uber. You could take our guests to the stadium and they'll give you, you know, car fulls, about 25 bucks a person. So I, I had a Ford, uh, not a Ford, I had a Chevy, um, the big one. Yeah, Suburban. I had a Suburban. I could fit like seven or eight people inside of it. And I, 25 bucks a head. So I was getting like $100, $150 for each one-way trip. Maybe like $1,000 that night. It was awesome. So um, I picked up these, took these guys, went to pick them up afterwards, arranged the thing. He said, he said, hey, man, can you drop us off at Delilah's Den on the way back? Delilah's Den. Now, if you don't know what Delilah's Den is, then ask Gary after church. He will help you understand. It was just a place you shouldn't go. I think it was a strip club. And so they said, hey, can you drop us off there? And I, and I they gave me the address. I'm driving towards it. And when I'm, I'm in the parking lot uh, on the other side of this mall. And I said, hey, guys, I can't do that. You're going to have to get out here. Well, it's not like you're going in. I said, I know. But if I'm seen in my car outside of this strip club and somebody from my church sees me, I could get myself in a lot of trouble. And they said, oh, it's no big deal, but you're not going. I said, guys, listen, I, this, this part of the ride's on me. I'm just not going to do that because I know if I, something's going to happen if I get that close to that place, and it ain't happening. Defiling ourselves, right? And that's a very public thing, and, you know, I'm, I'm, and the Lord you know, spoke to my heart about that. Probably I'm not smart enough to make that decision on my own. But, you know, there's a lot of things today in our culture where, where, where it gives us the opportunity to defile ourselves. You know, uh, we can defile ourselves by the things that we say. We can defile ourselves by the things that we do. We can defile ourselves by unhealthy things that we ingest into our bodies. We can defile ourselves by taking a position about something that's contrary to the word of God. Daniel said, we're not going to defile ourselves. And they knew what the consequences would be. They knew what the consequences would be. And, And I wonder uh, because we live, man, we live in such a crazy public social media. Everything we do uh, in, in, in our lives is just so public, you know. And, and because people watch us all the time and people see what we do all the time, you, we, we just can't hide anymore. You can't hide anymore. Um, we have, you got to be careful what you like, what you don't like on people's Facebook. You got to be careful where, you know, all these different things that are out there because there are so many opportunities in our lives for us to compromise our integrity to compromise our testimony. And Daniel, when he prayed publicly that day, did not act in ignorance. He acted with full knowledge of the law and the consequences of the law. I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king when when they refused to bow, when they refused to pray, and and they were going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. Just a great, great book. The book of Daniel is a great book to study. But, but one of them said back to the king, he said this, king, we are not careful. We are not careful to answer you in this. If, if God wants to save us, that's on him. But we will not defile ourselves and bow before that image. And the Bible says they were thrown into, you know the story, right? When you were a kid, you heard the story, maybe if you went to Sunday school. They were thrown into the fiery furnace and when the king and all the other people that threw him into the fiery furnace saw them in the fiery furnace, the Bible says there was four people there, not three. And the angel of the Lord was standing with them. And that's so significant if you study the Bible because that word angel of the Lord is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. You study that, it's a really neat thing to study. 
the angel of the Lord. Now, you know, Gabriel would appear and so on and so forth. Different angels would appear. But when the Bible specifically said the angel of the Lord, it was talking about God's son making an Old Testament appearance, standing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says about Stephen, who was a deacon in the early church, when, when they took Stephen out of the city to stone him because he was preaching the gospel and they went to kill him for his faith, the Bible says, you read the part about, and this is what we remember, they took him out of the city, they killed him, they took his clothes and they laid his clothes at the feet of a guy named Saul, right? That's where Saul was first introduced into the book of Acts. And later, of course, you see Saul's conversion in Acts chapter nine. But the Bible says this, Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. You see, when you and I take a stand for what's right and take a stand for God, you will never stand alone. And you know, it is lonely to do that sometimes because when you're in a crowd that wants to maybe do, and I'm not talking about a crowd that's gonna wanna do this blatant, super duper, bad, 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 bad thing. But man, if it's just a little bit of, of a compromise of your integrity and you feel that you have to stand alone, we, we don't like doing that because we don't wanna... We don't want other people to think that we're disapproving of them. We don't want to get our feelings hurt. You know, what's the big deal? I don't want to, man, if, if I don't do this, they're going to think I'm square and I really want them to come to church. So is it that big of a deal? And we go through that, 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 that ping pong match of a moral dilemma. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, should I, should I, right? And then, well, I'm going to do it because I, I don't want to lose my friendship with them. Or I'm going to do it because it, it, it's really not that big of a deal. And the Bible isn't super clear about it, right? And, and we go through this dilemma in our mind, not understanding that we could be defiling ourselves. We could be defiling ourselves. Daniel didn't act in ignorance. When he prayed publicly, and you're going to see some of the dynamics of how he prayed, he acted in full knowledge of the law and the consequences. Here's number two. The next daring thing, the next expression of daring, Daniel's daring dependence was this. He didn't go to the woods and pray or go into his closet. Now, there's, a, there's something sweet about the idea of going into your prayer closet. There's just sometimes you need to be alone with God. You know, where it's, where, where, and, and you know, it's just a sweet, sweet thing when it's just you and God and you really understand that he hears you. And, and I'm, gonna say that, I'm saying that for this reason. Have you ever prayed and felt like God wasn't listening? You know? Um, I think sometimes when we go through the exercise of the, the prayer blessing of our food, you know, we merge the words together. Instead of dear heavenly father, it's Heavenly Father kind of a thing, right? Please bless this food, bless the missionaries. Bless, 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 bless. We thank you. And we can't, you know, and I, and I feel very obligated to do that because, uh, you know, I, I, I really believe in the principle of manna where God provides our needs daily. I really believe that. And, and, and there, is a, there is a thing inside of me. I think when you get older, you kind of understand how much of a blessing it is just to have that meal in front of you for that time. You know, if you've ever had some rough things happening. If you've ever lived in the mountains of Peru, that meal, that meal is pretty significant, right, preacher? But when, 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 when we're praying, sometimes it just becomes part of just kind of a cultural thing. You know, we sit down after church on Sunday, and we go out with our group, all of our homies, and we solve our food is there. We got thumbs up. Last one, thumbs up has to pray. Ah, you lose, sucker. You got to pray, right? That kind of a thing. And we say that prayer, dear Lord, Bless this food to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's like that's that kind of a thing. 
But I'm talking about the prayer when you're going through the valley of shadow of death, when you don't know what is next, when you're facing what seems impossible, and you cry out and you just listen to God and you know he's there, that kind of prayer. That's a special prayer. Um, I can remember very specific times in my life where I just know it was just me and God. You know, just, God, this doesn't make any sense. I know we're doing the right thing, but it just, it, 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 it hurts. And people are walking away. And, 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 and there's just not, there's got to be a bridge. Something's got to make sense here, Lord. You know? And you just kind of get that still, small voice that says, I got this. I got this. This isn't about you anyway. How many of you need to be reminded every once in a while it's not about you? I'm, my hand's up. I'm, I'm telling you right now. It's not about me. You know, what we want to try to do for God. God, I'm doing this. What, God, I'm doing this. Can you come down and bless it? Instead of God, wherever you're moving, merge me into that because I want to be where you're doing something awesome. That's how we ought to feel. It's a great study by Henry Blackaby about that. But he didn't go in the woods and pray. He went into his, the Bible says he went into his house. He went into his house because people knew where he lived. He went into his house because he, listen to this, church. This is a great principle. He knew that people were watching him. Did you hear what I said? He knew people were watching him. People watch us every day, don't they? They watch the way we drive. They watch the way we treat other people. How many of you had anybody this week make you really, really mad and you didn't know them? Come on now, we're in church. They just ticked you off, right? If you could, you'd take them out back and, you know, knock them in the head a couple times, right? When we were driving home last night, there was this, there was this uh, maroon Honda. And if you were driving the maroon Honda, I'm sorry and ha, because listen to what happened. Um, I'm driving about five, you know, five miles, four miles over the speed limit. You know how you're kind of allowed to do that a little bit. And I'm going, I got my cruise control set. It's like a 70, was it a 75 or a 70, babe? Where's Kim at? She's babying right now. Okay. Whatever it was, I was about 4.9 miles over the speed limit, okay, with my, with my cruise control on. And this guy came up, would zip around me, and then he would put his brakes on. And then he would zip around me again and put his brakes on. And he did it like five or six times. So I slowed down a little bit. Ah, this guy just wants to be a knucklehead. Let him get ahead of it a little bit. And then he does it again, and then he pumps his brakes on me. And I'm, and I'm just, and I could just feel, you know what I'm saying? How you feel your blood pressure? just coming up and you, you know, that kind of a thing, right? So, so I'm like, man, I'm going to, this guy right here, I am, t- uh, and, and, and Kim's sleeping. She goes, what's going on? I said, oh, nothing, hon. I'm just listening to the game. It's no big deal. I'm like, oh, man, this guy, this guy, this guy. I'm like, okay, dude, be cool. Just relax. It's no big deal. So I slowed down, dropped down to about five miles under, driving Nick Stewart's pace, five miles under the speed limit. And about 20 miles down the road, this dude got pulled over by a cop. And I went by him, and I was like, yeah, sucker. Hope you're in our church tomorrow, by the way. We love you in Jesus' name. You know, that kind of a thing, right? That kind of a thing. But, man, people see our stuff. They do. And here's what's funny. People see, when you go somewhere and you think, there's nobody in the world in this store. There's nobody in the world in this restaurant. There's nobody in the world in this place that I'm at right now. And, and it's not that big of a deal if I. It's not that big of a deal. It's not, you know, it's not that, people, I'm just telling you, church, people are watching you. And they know that you have 
I had somebody come up to me. We have uh, warehouse church window stickers that you can put on your car. I had some, and they're not in this room right now, but they came up to me and they said to me one time, Pastor, I don't want to put that window sticker on my car because I'm going to have to start driving differently. Right? Hey, good for you, dude. Thank you very much for that, you know. I tell people, I told people in church one week, I guess it was about two months ago, and man, I had more mostly positive comments after this, and this is what they said to me, this is what I said. Hey, if you go to a restaurant and you give somebody a track about our church, give them a 40% tip. What? You know, some of my cheapskates, you know what? Oh, we no, no, no. Because we base our tipping on their service. You ready for this? Not our generosity. Right? And we've got to remember we are the representatives of Jesus Christ. And here's what we wind up doing that service was terrible. I'm giving them 5%. I get the last say. Huh. Instead of understanding, maybe that girl had a hard day that day. Maybe they had to leave their kid at a daycare, and they don't know how they're going to make ends meet this afternoon, right? Or maybe their boss is a jerk, or maybe they got kicked out of their apartment, or maybe they got some kind of sick news, and they're just in a bad mood that day. Has anybody been in a bad mood this week, right? I sure have, right? And but, So we feel we, have, we punish them. Oh, if you're going to you can't get my seven refills that I need, the amount of ice that I need, you're only getting 3%, so there. And we base it on how they're treating us, church, not how we're supposed to be treating them. Because people are watching us every single day. Daniel didn't go into the woods. He went into his house, number three. He didn't go into the secret inner chamber of his house. He wasn't this covert Christian, you know? This covert follower of God where, you know, dun, 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 dun. You know, he wasn't trying to Jesus juke people and, and, and fooling them. Who he, he was very, very public about. And listen, being public about your faith and being public about your stand doesn't mean you're rubbing people's nose in how good you are. We're not Pharisees. Amen. We're not Pharisees. We're not better. Boy, Christianity has this huge black eye. I said that in church one week. Coach, I said that in church one week. I said, man, Christianity has this black eye. And, da, 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 da. and the guy came up to me and said, why did you say Christianity has this black guy? I said, I didn't say that. It doesn't have a black guy. Sometimes Christianity has a black eye. Listen to what I'm saying, please, right? So anyway, I said, Christianity has this black eye in this way. We think we're better than everybody else. We do. We've got the answer. Da, 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 da. We know where we're going to spend eternity if we die, and you don't, not a not a boo boo. We kind of have that, that arrogance about us, and the Bible teaches us over and over again: humble yourselves in the eyes of the Lord, and He will lift you up. He didn't go into the secret inner chamber of His house. Number four, He didn't pray just once early in the morning when nobody might be looking, but He prayed three times a day, and He prayed every day. And he wasn't praying that kind of prayer. I love that passage of scripture where Jesus talks about the Pharisees that would go in with their offering. And they would go in with, their, with the money bags on, with their change going. I'm coming to the temple today to give all that I have for the Lord. Jesus was saying this about them. He said, well, that's as good as it gets, guys. Everybody noticing you, that's your reward. But here's what I'm going to reward. That little lady that gave everything that she had that nobody knew about. 
And that, that was in that, that, that's in Scripture for time and memoriam for us to remember today. You see, when we take a stand for Christ, if people see us, we're missing the point. They ought to be seeing God. Well, God's done something in that person's life because, man, he is, whew, he's not perfect. He's got bumps and bruises. I hope that's what they're saying about all of us. He prayed, number four, he prayed once early in the morning when nobody, when no one was looking, but he, he prayed three times a day and every day. He knew they were watching him. Number five, Daniel prayed and he talked to God overtly, not covertly. What's that mean? He talked to God openly. He talked to God openly. And here's what Daniel didn't do. Daniel didn't disrespect the king. God, this decree from King Darius, he is wrong. He didn't say stuff like that. You know, we have, we have to be very, very careful. Boy, I'll tell you something. Um, there's a lot of hatred being spewed out on Facebook and in the news in regards to political stuff. Just hatred. And not all of it's coming from what you may perceive as the other side. It's from both sides of the aisle. We've got to be careful. I had somebody come up to me this week, and I, I, I voted this week, and I had my little sticker on there, and they came up to me this week, and they literally said to me, we know you Yankees are all voting for the wrong side. You need to vote conservative values. I said, you don't know who I voted for. You don't know who I voted for. Uh, in the presidential election a couple years ago, uh, I love telling this story, and, and those of you in our church remember this back then. My daughter, Kelsey, um, who was in the running for favorite daughter until Christina had a baby too. Now it's neck and neck, you know. Sorry, Katie. But uh, you're a close second, third-ish. But um, um, she came up to me. She said, Dad, I didn't know who to vote for. I just, I couldn't, I just, I, I, I couldn't either. I just, I didn't feel either was the right thing. So, Dad, I voted for you, and I wrote your name in as the president of the United States. So now I have Secret Service people following me everywhere. It's really uncomfortable, but, uh, you know. When we, when we have an overt relationship with God, we don't speak about other people in a condescending tone. You know what else we know how to do? Listen to this, church. We learn how to honor. We know how to honor. Um, when President Barack Obama was president of the United States, he used to make me mad when people would, when the news people, and people would talk about him and just say Obama or Barack, you know. I said, listen, it doesn't matter who you voted for. That is the president of the United States. And as a believer, whether you voted for him or not, you ought to have honor because Jesus talks about honor. And I, this, this thing is full. That's not my president. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. He's your president. You know, and I had some people that were around us were racist. Well, I, I will never, I will never call him a president because he's black. I said, well, he's a president. He's our president. And if you like him being a president, there's other countries where you can go be and go enjoy yourselves and do this, this, and that. But, but those were Christians saying that. Christians saying that kind of stuff. And, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you this morning. We, what comes out of our mouth ought to be words of, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But only, the only stuff that's supposed to come out of our mouth are words that edify. Edify. Edify means building them up. Edify means 
kindness. Edify means positive. Edify means things that, that make people feel better or good about themselves. Not tearing people down. Not dishonoring those that are in authority. Not dishonoring others. Are you the kind of person when people walk into the room where you make other people feel better or they know you have a good story about somebody else? Right? Edification. Daniel was overt in his relationship with God. And here's the last thing. He didn't change the way that he prayed. He knew those guys were watching him. He knew what was in front of him. He knew what was going to happen. And you know the great part of that story? The great part of that story is Daniel got put into the lion's den. And the Bible says that there's... And that, listen, that lion's den, they weren't full with like big fat you know, lions that got to eat big sides of beef every day like the lions in our zoo do. They were hungry lions. And Daniel went into that lion's den and God, the Bible says stilled those lions and they were chill and Daniel just kind of had a nice relaxing evening with the lions or whatever they did. Came out the next day, the guys that, 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 that wanted Daniel killed, they got thrown into the lions and they became breakfast, lunch, and dinner to those lions. And then the king made a decree that nobody could, so all that stuff they said about nobody could speak about anybody but the king, nobody could pray to anybody but the king. The king said nobody will say anything about Daniel and Daniel's God. Nobody will. And we've got to be very careful, church, that we don't let culture dictate and drive the way that we talk, the way that we react, the way that we live. We are not here representing ourselves. We get this thing, well, I was disrespected. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we are glory deflectors to God, that we humble ourselves in the eyes of the Lord, that we speak honor into people's lives and we speak kindness into people's lives. And that in our walk with the Lord, we're not going to let how everybody else in the world dictate how we treat other people. We're going to treat people right because that's exactly what Jesus Christ would do. Well, I was disrespected. So was he. Well, people said things about me falsely. They did that about him too. Well, I've been falsely accused. So was Jesus. Well, I'm being persecuted for something that's not even fair or accurate. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, let this mind be in you, lifestyle be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, listen to this, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And the Bible says, and even being found in fashion as a man, the Bible says he humbled himself. God, who spoke the universe into creation, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that's who we're supposed to try to be like. Not the biggest loud mouth, not the biggest right wing, left wing, this or that. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Our identity is in him. So let's all be more like Christ this week, amen? amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much.